welcome to Ed's Not Dead. I'm Robbie Dodd. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. C.H. Siddons. Hey, Casey. Hey, welcome back. Happy Friday night, man. It's good to see you. Good to see you. And of course, Mr. Peter Crable. Hey, Mr. Crabes. Hey, good evening, Dr. Dodd. And this is Ed's Not Dead. As always, we're brought to you by Pulp Education, a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. Dudes, it is awesome to be back. Uh, you can find us at Ed's Not Dead PC on Twitter. And of course, check out the website, Ed's Not Dead.com. We are doing a Friday night recording of END, which I like a lot, I have to say. Yeah, no, no, much, much to the sh- early. Much yeah. to the sh- chagrin of my wife. <laughs> it, it does affect the domestic life, but it, it's much easier on the professional life, right? This is true. This is true. Well, I think my wife is watching Anchorman tonight, so I'm not sure she's missing me too much. Man, I want to watch that. She's with with Ron. Yeah. Yep. Ron Burgundy. (laughs) Uh, I I bet. I bet Mr. Sins can can do a couple good. uh, He can can do. He's got all the lines. (laughs) Come on. The the arsonist has oddly shaped feet. (laughs) That's what human torch. The human torch was denied a bank loan. You can't do my, you can't do any uh, any of the inappropriate ones, which tend no, to be, but, my, but, which tend there, to be my favorite. There were some ad- additional segments that I always loved, which was he. Uh, it was they didn't put it in the movie, but it was when he tried out for ESPN and the Weather Channel when they first started. Right, and he was the one of them was for ESPN, and he said, mm, "Espen, Espen, what, what the heck does that mean? Twenty four hour news news network? That'll never work." <laughs> All right, well that's. Jenna, more power to her. Uh, we have a great show tonight. We are uh, we're going to do some show feedback. This may be the first time in a full season that we've done show <laughs> feedback, and we actually have some. And uh, we are we doing the ask the guest, ask the the host the segment tonight, Mister Sins, as you just mute yourself. What do you mean the mailbag? The mailbag. Oh, I knew, I yeah, knew that's, that's a, a separate. It's a it's a we're separate. Gonna, we're going to do that uh, as its own episode release. Yeah, oh, that's people be... to have uh, Casey's during gonna, the holiday season. Casey's going to cold call us and just call out questions, and we're going to be put on the spot and have to respond to them. All right, that's right. Well, that's okay. Well, I should I missed the memo on that it was its own, <laughs> its own episode. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, whether math is racist or not, which is an incredibly misleading title to an article um, that made Mr. Siddons blood boil as he tweeted us this week in the morning early morning at like eight it was very i think it was 5 58 yeah was that how early it was it was before six o'clock oh i'm so sorry and the exact words were it made his blood boil i did not Um, know i said that so so early so we're going to get into that and uh a new math framework in uh california because of their um Below standard math scores, they have a new monstrous math framework that is largely driven by a very well-known and respected educator at this time, Joe Bowler. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, let's get into some feedback. Let's hear it, Mr. Siddons. What do you What do you have from the the huge Ed's Not Dead following? All right. Well, we have a couple comments. We have from iTunes. Thank you for going on to iTunes. If you rate us on iTunes and you provide comments, it actually helps our uh, visibility on iTunes and other places you get podcasts. So thank you for that. Megan said, amazing content. We appreciate it very much. Um, and then it also said, Robbie, Pete, in case you do such a good job covering a variety of topics, the guests offer valuable insight as well. I would recommend this podcast to anyone looking to be inspired and informed. Thank you, Megan. Appreciate your comments. Thank you. Vundaba. And then on Twitter, um, you know, our old friend Dylan Antonucci, um, he was tweeting about his favorite podcast and I, I threw him some shade and was curious as to why it was not, it's not dead. And uh, he still, he, apparently we're still in his top queue in the top three, maybe. I think he said, think he said top five. Yeah. I'll take yeah. top five. I'll take top five. That's fine. It better be a top five. That better not have just been playing to the crowd that he said that. I Listen, I'm going to follow up with him and find out. I think you person. should. Well, and you know stats if you could. I, and and I'd like to. I gave him his first job. I'll go back and 
take it away. I mean, he should take that right we, away. We, take we that, hold be, that over his head. He should always say we're number one. He's yeah. got a living wage right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we got some feedback from our uh, fr- our old friend Francis Frost, who has been a fan. And Ed's not deadhead since really day one. And uh, we got some flack about we got some back and forth about Thanksgiving food choices and some questionable choices about whatever corn casserole. Corn is casserole. No yeah. idea. Uh, she and I, we were on a Zoom call uh, recently, um, not our own, but a, a large group that we're on. And and she mentioned the corn casserole. And I, I have some screenshots, Francis, of the corn casserole that, yes, I am going to, I'm supposed to text you. I will do that. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you. She, she has been five seasons. She has been with us the whole way. Yes, absolutely. She used to get highly irritated with us back in the early days. I don't know if she does anymore. Well, she is. I hope she leaves us some feedback about her irritation now. I mean, like we need to get people fired up. That's what gets listens, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, and last for our, our set of feedback from our from a listener, Sarah, who said, and it's not my wife, uh, who who I don't think Sarah listens to our podcast. Do you, Sarah? Love the the, the listener, Sarah, love the SEL section. Um, and then listening to the summary of the article was cringy. And uh, I agree that it, it was cringy. It's cringy to listen to. It's cringy to read. And then uh, for those of you who disagree with SEL, she said, would love for them to come to my school in Kensington, which is a highly impacted neighborhood in Philadelphia and say SEL is not needed. So there's some some uh, other support for SEL in schools. So thank you all for your feedback. Keep it coming. Rate us on iTunes. Yeah, we've not pushed that recently, but it does it does help us greatly. And it yes. makes me feel good. So that's super important as well. That's probably the most important point is to make Peter feel good. Thank you. I thought our back and forth about Robert Pondicio uh, would, would garner a little bit more. Um, I wonder if he heard anything about our discussion. I know, I, I know I, he's so, so tuned in to Ed's Not Dead. But, um, so I, 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 I did mute him on Twitter just because I it was getting me uh, angry. And uh, I thought about <laughs> tweeting. I thought about tweeting through as not dead, like at him. But I just don't want to add to the the, the negative um, vibe that just comes with getting more clicks and stuff on Twitter because you get people angry. I just didn't want to be a part of that. You're well, trying you, to be a positive tweeter. Yeah, but Casey needs to make up his mind about social media. He he made this overly theatrical statement on Instagram recently. This is going to be my last post. Okay. <laughs> Casey. No, it wasn't last post. Yeah. It's just That's it's so the last weird. Post. It, it's the it, last it. post for a long time. Do you need, uh, what are you like, an addict? You need to like go on the. No, I just, the- it just, it's not bringing me uh, happiness. And it's not, I don't know. I just don't think it's healthy. I, I, is that okay I'm with just, you? It is okay with me. And I, I know. Okay. I, I'm, as, long as, it, as long as it's okay with you and then I'm validating your feelings. Then I it's feel good just about your. It. Your relationship with social media is so fraught. It's very hot and cold. It is. It's, yeah, it, it gets you going. It, it does. And uh, it's gotten a lot better because I've muted a lot of people and unfollowed a lot of people on Twitter. And it's been a lot more positive. Okay. Well, that's good. Just yeah. Keep, yeah. Keep, keep canceling people. Every time I, I, <laughs> I would say, like, I want to be off Twitter, you'd be like, well, who's going to do our tweets for Ed's Not Dead? I know. It's true. I mean, some of it's selfish. We need... We need you, and you're very good. You're very skilled on social media, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, you always know which yeah. tweets I've done because they're a little dry. <laughs> they are. They are. Listen, as I said, listen today. As we I are said good. In, listen today, please. <laughs> thank you. As I said in the in our last show about Mr. Craves emoting, that's you know you've got to be able to emote a little bit when you. Well, it's probably a valuable skill for social media. Yeah, we should get we should get we should get uh, Kozlowski to Mr. Koz to do our tweets for us because he gets oh, people job. he gets people angry on. Oh, yeah. he'll, he'll send me screenshots of of exchanges he's had, and I'm like, it actually makes me nervous. Does Mr. Koz still listen to the show at all? He does. Okay, let's give him the keys of the kingdom and just yeah, uh, he'd be he'd be good. Piss everybody off. Our. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the question is, is math racist? So Casey, as we mentioned before, sent this uh, piece in USA Today to us, I think Wednesday morning or yesterday morning uh, before the sun was up. And it was from USA Today. And I I figured it was just clickbait. But then 
Casey's followed up with uh, an opinion piece in the Washington Post by Christine Emba, is math racist and uh, wrong question. Uh, she leads off by saying, is math racist? The answer is no, of course. Um, then she goes on to say, the question headlined a story about how some schools are considering altering the way they teach math to better serve struggling K-12 students. So this was really about, um, largely about California and the change that they've made to their math framework. They've rolled out a massive new math framework that does take um, what was pretty popular a few years ago, at least locally, um, trying to make math more relevant to kids. And a couple of the things that have really tweaked some people um, are notably that relevance piece, which includes grounds math or math instruction, especially at the elementary level and the middle school level, um, in contexts that are familiar to kids. Uh, so you might have questions that are related to um, equations or that are related to a living wage um, or the word problems or whatever math context they're offering might um, reflect more diversity um, or, or reflect the communities that they live in. And then another major trigger point is um, kind of a move away from tracking that uh, kids that show giftedness in math early on are not necessarily pulled out or tracked or get the kind of um, gifted and talented instruction that you have a more heterogene heterogeneity in math classes. And in California in particular, they've moved to more of an integrated math model that has um, that might integrate geometry, algebra, and that algebra is now recommended not to be taught until grade nine. So you have a kind of a structural change in the scope and sequence of math courses and, and the developmentally appropriateness of, of when subjects like algebra are taught. And then you have this idea of a backdrop of social justice in math, making math more relevant to communities of color or marginalized communities. Uh, some of the critics say that we're just really doubling down on, on marginalizing kids by just telling a story um, of that math is hard and they can't do it. So we need to give you an easier version of it. Uh, Christine Emba basically finds fellas that what's wrong with making math more accessible for more kids. I think that's really kind of her, her point. Um, and she cites that she struggled in math and she didn't know why. Um, and if we can find ways to not have kids check out in math, that that's a good thing. It's not necessarily woke or leftist. Um, it's just trying to, trying to, um, teach math better. So what was your take on her position on this? And we've had the math conversation before, uh, should it be a part of the culture wars or is there a good discussion to have about how it's taught? I, 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 when I sent that article to you, first of all, sorry for sending it at five in the, five in the morning. I didn't realize was, I was sending was, it so early. What was, the, what was that? Yes, you did. You were up and you sent it. I, I said, I didn't mean to, I didn't know. I, I, it just was like, it was, it was impulsive. Anyway, um, I, I think the first thing I wanted to share was the USA Today article itself. They changed the headline. First of all, um, is math education racist? So they changed it to how um talking about how at least the headline shares about how we actually teach the subject so i think i think from a broader perspective it's how the media covers education it's just another example of the failure of media um and then the other piece of it is it's, it was behind a paywall interestingly it's not behind a paywall anymore so after they got backlash about the headline and the byline they clearly opened it up to um to more people to actually read and because if you read the comments on twitter uh, it wasn't great for, for teaching, for trying to be uh, more inclusive about how we teach kids. And, and I think the opinion piece that we that I shared is math racist, wrong question by Christine Emba. I think she brings up all the things that, that like go through my mind about 
where we are with math instruction in, in our country. And, and I, at least in, in our, in, in my, ex, my own experience, I feel like, uh, it's the last vestige of tracking in schools that really put kids into different boxes and, and really sets them up for success or lack thereof in, in high school and beyond. That's just my opening thought. <laughs> oh, that, that's the opening salvo, Mr. Krabs. Well, I, I don't want to ramble on too much, but I want to hear I, what Mr. Crable says. I, and I will tell you, Mr. Crable was one of the first people that I ever heard that um, years ago, 10 years ago, he was railing against the show-do method of math instruction. Yep. I remember that correctly, don't I, Mr. Crable? You do, absolutely, Yeah. And I think that at the heart of it, in um, in that opinion piece in the post, where she gets to at the end, um, talking about the the culture, the the question should be about how to best teach and learn um, math. I think that in and of itself is an extremely useful and valuable conversation. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's even possible to have that discussion outside of the context of the culture wars, which is unfortunate because it's it's a valid question and the bottom line is like in this country nobody knows we don't have a hardcore data set or example to look at and say see look here this model right here is by far the best that includes the most groups of kids that um, also helps traditionally marginalized kids succeed while also simultaneously pushing kids into um, advanced tracks because at the end of it, and I'm going to shoot right down the middle on this one. I think there are valid arguments on both sides. You know, I do have questions about kids that um, demonstrate really advanced math aptitude early on, um, kind of like not being pushed to continue to learn more and accelerated because they can. And to sacrifice what they can do I think is an injustice to them. However, on the flip side, and, and and is not and is not equity. It's not no, it's not equity. And on the flip side, though, like for sure, how you know teachers play the role of incredible gatekeepers, especially I think at elementary levels. And Robbie, I mean, obviously you, you know a lot more than me about this, about what kids. Well, I'm sorry, about what class kids go in and what the quote unquote, like ideal math student looks like or how they demonstrate or how they behave in class. And because math is, as Casey said, one of the last vestiges of tracking, those decisions really early on tend to play out in that same track over the course of um, a student's educational career. Now, they shouldn't because you would hope that at some point teachers, you know, whether it's middle school or high school are able to recognize that like a student has shouldn't, you know, should be in a, in a whatever, a different class, a more advanced class. I even hate to say that, but at some point there should be like an ability to move around, but b- because of how things are so um, siloed and segmented in math education, that everybody has this impression that nobody can ever skip a math class and be successful. So you can't, you can never skip, skip algebra or you couldn't skip geometry or whatever to get into like the next level class. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just the pervasive thinking that, that I see that kind of um, really holds students that could be in different, more advanced, more whatever classes from, from being in those classes. What, what's the argument for, and this is, I, I guess not being a math teacher puts me at a disadvantage in this, but like the, there's an argument to be made for whether it's social studies or English or other, other courses that are not math um, that you could section out kids of differing abilities. So whether it's their vocabulary understanding uh, or their understanding of current events or their understanding of different social studies concepts. I mean, could you not create a higher level course for social studies that incorporates more advanced thinking or more uh, out of the box thinking? I mean, could you, could could you not do that? Could you not do that? Could you rephrase that question? I, could, well, I'm you, thinking could, like, could you do it? I'm sorry, it's, it's poorly phrased. Um, it's it's like, why don't we? I mean, you could easily create a, a higher level or advanced cl- uh, social studies class, couldn't you? I mean, you're yeah, saying I mean, the argument I made could be made for any class. Well, yeah, because like because we have like these different sections of math in different schools, right? And you have to do one to get to the other. 
but yet when I look at my students in social studies, like they, I have students who are, you know, their ability to reason is different than other kids. Their ability to acquire or the, their understanding of different vocabulary is, is different. Um, their, their ability to, uh, think through arguments and, and, and different ideas in social studies is different. So I just feel like I, I, I struggle to understand personally why we can't make math that's more uh, heterogeneously mixed based on where they are in their understanding of math concepts. Um, that that's, that's where I'm at. No, I think, yes, the answer is, you know, once upon a time at the elementary level, it was not uncommon to find um, regrouping. That's what we called it back in the day, regrouping and reading as well. In other words, in, in a fourth grade classroom, three or four uh, teachers of heterogeneous classes would regroup for reading and you would track as early as fourth grade in reading. And you'd also be tracking in math. I think the other thing that that um, it's not a me- it's not mentioned a lot in these pieces, um, but is something that has been talked about a lot over the decades in math instruction, is the content knowledge of teachers. That sure. that content knowledge in math it, for a teacher is is vitally important. Um, it is it it can be a difficult subject to unpack for kids, and there is a lot of research that shows that. Um, elementary and middle school teachers who have really great content knowledge in math um, paired with great instructional repertoires are, are, are better. Um, You you, you can't teach the math if you don't know the math and and that, and, and that can be a problem. So I I do think um, one of the ideas behind tracking is that teachers that had a better understanding, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm for or against, I'm just saying sure. the teachers that, that really understood it were the teachers that would often be the ones that, that taught the kids that were quote unquote, ready to be accelerated or gifted or what have you. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the problem with the problem with the tracking, um, or regrouping at the elementary level is always that, you know, there's a sense that you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. If you, it it, it can be really, it can be beneficial for one group, but at the same time, if you're um, regrouping and really just creating homogeneity for, for bright kids in math, or let's say high readiness kids in math, then you have classrooms of kids that are not quite as ready and they're not exposed to kids that are stronger in math. Um, right. and, and I will tell you that gets more challenging for a teacher. Um, and, well, because, and the, expe- the expectations game too. I mean, the teachers are bringing in those lower expectations. The, the, the expectations conform to the track. Um, right. And so it, it is a, it's, it's a tough one to figure out. I've, I've done it both ways. I taught, yeah in a completely heterogeneous math setting as a fourth grade and fifth grade teacher. I loved it. As a principal, I pushed regrouping in math. Um, and yeah. we, and we actually did it because, you know, I was working in a, in a largely African-American and Latino um, elementary school. When I got to that school, there were 12 fifth graders that were taking sixth grade math. By my third year, we had, 60 kids taking sixth grade math and almost all of them were black or Latino. So wow. we were, we were accelerating kids. Now, then the question was, what were we doing for kids that needed more support? Um, so, you know, you, you've got to, I mean, can you do both? I, I think, um, but it is a, I mean, it is the, it is the age old question. Um, I, I did want to read you one thing. I just want to pivot for one second. Mr. Krebs, I know you have something to say, but, um, is it woke math? Uh, in Cal Matters, there's a piece that delves more deeply into the new framework in California. Critics lambast the new framework as woke math that D, oh, I like this. I don't think I've ever seen this so education ease, demathematizes math uh, with social justice le- lessons. And here you go, Mr. Sids, left wing <laughs> ideology. An open letter signed by over a thousand STEM experts condemned the framework for suggesting that teachers highlight 
the quote, contributions that historically marginalized people have made to mathematics take, take a justice-oriented perspective at any grade level and use inclusive gender pronouns. Shocker, the Wall Street Journal is really the publication that has gotten everybody interested in the new California <laughs> framework. Um, yeah. But, and, and, then, and then I do want to throw this one out. One of the biggest groups in California that has aimed criticism at the new framework are folks in higher ed, and especially yeah. folks in the STEM fields in higher ed. And I do think, to Mr. Crable's point, I'm going to shoot right down the middle on this one. Joan Bowler, Joe Bowler pretty much says that they're sitting in their ivory towers and they don't know, they don't understand public ed and who are they to comment. But I'll also say, I've talked to you all about the curriculum reform movement in the 1960s. You know, higher ed has long had a, a, a significant and at times positive impact on the development of K-12 curriculum. And to just dismiss their opinions, I think is is cheap. Yeah, yeah, and I you segue nicely for me because I was going to say, you know, sometimes I feel like we get into these binary arguments of track kids or don't track kids, and that's going to solve the problem. Put them do the highest level of tracking or no tracking whatsoever, you know, and you get stuck in in, the, in an argument when it's like, well, it's it's neither. And to your point, yeah, I, I think how math is taught is really at the crux of it and yes, how yes. kids that are struggling, what are you doing to help them? Um, I'm not entirely convinced that, you know, some of the things that you had mentioned are the key to helping kids understand math better. I do think in general, having math be a little bit more relevant to kids um, is in, as like a general statement is a good start. Now, obviously there's a lot of debate and I think they would say we're trying to make it more relevant by putting in word problems from the community or, you know, coming up with issues that are specifically related to what they deal with and or know. And I do think that there's validity, validity in that. Um, but like you said, I mean, I just, my caricature of math classes is, largely shaped on like my experiences where it was given a textbook and be like, okay, problems one to 50, do the, do the, do odd, the odd number ones. ones. Yep. And check your answers in the back. You know what I mean? <laughs> and really no discussion. You're, you're just a little automaton going through processes and without really understanding. Yeah. <laughs> That's without, a true. It's a good one without really That's understanding what you're, what you're doing. Um, you know, and, I, I, and, and culturally, you know, I, I was a part of the Na uh, National Science Foundation um, study on elementary math instruction when I was an elementary school teacher, and I actually piloted Singapore math. So there, really? were a number, there were a number of elementary schools back in the mid to late 90s that adopted Singapore's nationalized math curriculum. A lot of countries, a lot of high achieving uh, mathematics countries have you know, God forbid we ever do it, a national curriculum in a, in a subject. And so, um, so we, we taught Singapore math to uh, fourth and fifth graders. I won't go into all the details about how it worked or didn't work, but culturally there are both in this country and across the world, there are different ideas about how to teach math. I, I went and saw um, a, a mathematician, a teacher, speak at the National Science Foundation in like 1999. Her name was Liping Ma. She wrote a book, know, Knowing and Understanding Mathematics. And the way the Chinese teach math, which is completely different than our use of concrete materials and manipulatives in elementary schools, is the, the Chinese show kids multiple algorithms. So their whole way of teaching math is kids need to know as many different kinds of algorithms to solve a problem as possible. We've emphasized at the elementary level for, for decades that kids need to be able to touch and feel and manipulate materials to, to, to represent kind of moving from the pictorial, from the concrete to the pictorial to the abstract. And, and that has long been the elementary model. Um, unfortunately, when you get into secondary education, as, as Peter has, has pointed out, it increasingly gets to I show and you do. So I show you this algorithm, you do it. I give you a little support while you do it. And then you practice it till you're blue in the face. 
Um, and, and that that doesn't work for a lot of kids. Sorry, I'm done. I, 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 well, I, I totally agree with you, but I also, I, I agree with you, Pete, as well, because like my feelings on math were informed by my own experiences in math in middle school and high school, which weren't great. Not terrible, but not great. Uh, certainly a, str- a lot of struggles. Um, and I think like it is using manipulatives. Is that, would you, I actually have never used them. So I, I'm not making a judgment here. Do you think those are, that's engaging or is, is that engaging for kids based on your experience? I, it, I think it's engaging and I think they work. Um, okay. I think, I think if you use fraction bars to show kids equivalent fractions, um, as a, as a concrete representation of an abstract concept, yes, it can be really helpful for kids. And if you have them sitting, using them and discussing the math together, math discourse, which yeah. you guys have been around long enough to know when that was hip, um, that, that, that those are all good. You know, I mean, they mention as a part of the framework, cooperative learning, right? A lot of people still hate that idea. of math. But like, I, I guess my, the reason why I brought it up is because at face value, not being a math teacher, not having taught it, of course, using manipulatives for someone who's disengaged from math or struggling with math. For me, it, it is not at face value engaging. Uh, or maybe the, the word choice is poor. Maybe it is engaging, but it, it certainly wouldn't be interesting to me and, and doesn't seem like it would be relevant. And, and that quote in the Washington Post really stuck out to me is making a subject interesting and relevant so that a student will engage with it isn't, she says, the nefarious liberal plot. It's just good teaching. Uh, and I, I don't know that I've ever experienced math instruction as a student, not as a in a, in a public school, where the math was made interesting or, or in a way that was like made it interesting for the students and relevant to their lives other than saying, well, you need to learn how to, you know, write a tip someday or something. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know that I've ever experienced that myself and, and I don't know that it's how widespread it is and I don't want to make any broad judgments as I normally do. So. Yeah. And Bowler's point on all that. So she makes um, a couple points. So one is that when kids experience math failures um, at an early age, it gets hardwired into their brain that they're bad at math and they which, can have loss. Which is there any science behind? I don't know if there's any. Okay. Science I behind just, I, 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 too. Go I ahead. just, go just throwing it out there. I'm not putting that there as fact, but just that that's her argument um, and that math can be boring for kids. And so she, um, she advocates for open-ended inquiry. Right. And then the other side um, is that, if you just give students open-ended problems, they feel lost because they don't necessarily have the tools to to solve the problem. Right. And I think I, they're both right. Uh, you, you they're, know, like they're, they're, they're both right at the same you need, time. You need skills, absolutely for sure, but you also need to know how to use those skills. Uh, uh, the, right. the hard, the hardcore math people will tell you inquiry is great, but if you don't know your basic facts, how are you going to do it? Right. Yeah. And 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 I. I tend to fall more on the inquiry side of the argument. I think overall, holistically, it's a better way to teach across yeah. the board. Um, but yes, we we need to find ways to make sure that kids have the skills that they need. This The conversation that we've just spent 20 minutes on is going to go on forever. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's ever going to be a, a, an answer to this. And I, and I would agree with Christine Emba that um, you know, I do, I do think that, I do think that school systems and, um, schools need to try different ways to do it. I am a little bit fascinated. You all as millennials, especially you, Mr. Sids, you should have used manipulatives in a classroom in the 1990s when you were a kid. There's that. There, I'm I mean, sure you, I, I'm sure I did. Yeah. You, you grew up in yeah. the manipulative sweet spot. Um, yeah. you, you don't remember using digi blocks or, or cubes or any of that stuff. Uh, um, I, I don't recall. I'm, I, I bet you I did. I just don't remember. I remember cubes. Yeah, I mean because that's how they would teach place value. Yep. Um, I remember. I remember number munchers. <laughs> it was a. It was a. It was a computer game. Of course, it played. was. On like the Apple II, or what was it? <laughs> <laughs> the Apple II. Was that Apple II? What What was the one? Um, what it was, was letter the... munchers and number munchers. <laughs> It was great. You totally now lost me. You're gonna to have to take it out this thing. <laughs> Number munchers. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, check out uh, Christine Emma's piece in the post. Um, is math race, racist? Wrong question. It was from December 15th, just a few days ago. And um, the Cal Matters piece uh, is really long and I think pr- pretty interesting. Um, it's by Joe Hong. Uh, that This was from a month ago, November 19th. And if you have any feedback on this discussion, you math folks out there, uh, none of the three of us are dyed in the wool math people, are we? Although Casey has claimed that he could teach calculus. Um, if you just I would like to, to say, for the record, for the record again, well, I take that comment back. And <laughs> it was made in the heat of the moment. And uh, it's so funny you brought it up because I was actually going to bring it up too. But I do believe that was season season one of Ed's Not Dead. That, yes. That bold, that bold statement was made. All right. Uh, hit us with some show feedback on uh, our math discussion. And don't go away, folks. We'll be Welcome back to Ed's Not Dead. As always, Ed's Not Dead is brought to you by Pulp Education, a full-service educational media company specializing in leadership, instruction, and 21st century school reform. Mr. Siddons will be tweeting at Ed's Not Dead PC. Uh, so check All us week. out. Yeah. All check week. Us, check <laughs> us out on Twitter. We have not talked about the uh, um, impending holidays or depending on how you view the holidays with increasingly, as I get older, I view them with stress and dread. Um, oh dear. I know it's really bad. We were just talking about stress in the, in the, when we were on break. Um, but yeah, we got it before we, before we quit tonight, fellas, we got to, we got to talk about our, our uh, holiday wish list. All right. Oh, what, okay. are you, what are you wishing for? Uh, but before we get to that, I do believe we have a quiz. Ding ding ding! All right, Mister Siddons, you're on. Current events is that what we're doing today? Events. That's right. I got a a nice set of questions. Three questions for you each. Are we are we doing the parallel questioning tracks, which tends to be your your quiz format these days? We're doing uh, three for Doctor Dodd first, and then three for Craves. Is is that is that acceptable to you? That is. I I will say I because I do manage the quiz ledger. I did. I lost in the last episode right last show that, that you did okay that's right, right. that's right My you have an opportunity to redeem yourself um all right number one you Dr. could be Diz. a little you could be a, you get a little more energy you're a little I'm low, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Low, low, low energy, low energy jab. he's like reclining yeah, like, i know it's out of the lazy boy guy <laughs> come on man all, all right, right. all right low energy jab here <laughs> number one kentucky governor blank Expected the death toll in his state alone to be at least 80. Brush year. Devastating turn. Brush year. Uh, through six days. Uh, close enough. Andy Bashir. That's correct. Oh, I, I, did Kentucky. I put a B in there? A blend? I did a blend. Brush year. Close enough. It's on Zoom. All right. Uh, number two, the military government of blank convicted former leader Aung San Suu Kyi on charges of incitement and breaking COVID rules and sentenced her to two years in prison. A, Myanmar, B, Thailand, or C, Bangladesh? Ooh, that is a tough one. Mr. Krabs, do you know that one? I 100% know this one. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Uh, read it to me one more time. And this one's the, right, the whole backstory is crazy, too. I, I, it is wild. I, I, it's I, I, missed, wild. I missed this whole story. Was this in the post? Uh, uh, I'm sure it was, but she was. Okay. She won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize a couple years ago, and then it's, it's been a, quite a journey. Military government of blank convicted former leader Aung San Suu Kyi of charges of incitement and breaking COVID rules and sentenced her to two years in prison. A, Myanmar, B, Thailand, or C, Bangladesh? I'm going to go with A, Myanmar. That is correct. Yes. Ardiz, well done. And number three, the U.S. announced a diplomatic boycott of the upcoming Winter Olympics in the city of blank. A, Pyongyang, B, Beijing, or C, Tokyo? Um, uh, that's, I, I know that. It's, um, well, first of all, it's not North Korea. I, 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 is it, is it, is, is, was that A? Yeah, Pyongyang, yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to go with uh, B, Beijing. Correct. That's three out of three. Very God. nice. Very nicely done. I thought, th- I thought they were pretty easy, but that's okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, all right. I've been saying cold sauce a lot this week. I'm going to say cold oh, that's, sauce again. That's a, do- that's a dotism. That's a dotism. That's right. Uh, number one, Craves, a UK court ruled that WikiLeaks founder Blank could be extradited to the US to face espionage charges, though his supporters call this ruling a blow to press freedom. Julian Assange. That is correct. Without even the options, Assange. It uh, looks like a. Uh, I'm not going to say what he looks like. Never mind. Can I, Number can two. I, can I can I ask a Julian Assange question? Sure. His, his life didn't sound all that bad. Of you know, getting to kind In the of the Ecuadorian just, embassy. Yeah, just staying inside and having people bring you food and wait on you. And I don't know. It didn't. I mean, it's. The equivalent of being a prisoner, but you know. Okay. <laughs> well, the, the there's some funny stories of the Ecuadorian embassy getting sick of his presence because they, like, he was just so messy and disgusting. They had to clean him up, clean up after him all the time. It's pretty funny. Mister Sittens, what's the capital of Ecuador? Ooh, jeez. Um, I I guarantee you, Craig will miss this. What's the first letter? A Q. Quito? Very good. Oh, good pull. C-H. All right. Okay. Number two. Sorry. Number two. Blank was sworn in as the new chancellor of Germany. Ooh. A. Klaus Brahl. <laughs> B. Olaf Scholz. C. Florian Weber. <laughs> I don't know this one, but that last name, Florian v- Weber. Weber. Uh, that's what I'm going to go with. Is, 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 W-E-B-R. Is, Flo- is Florian related to Max <laughs> Weber? <laughs> Max Weber? I don't know who that is. Okay. Uh, the correct answer is actually B, Olaf ah. Schultz. Okay. Dodd is the winner. I still get a third. Let me get a consolation prize. Give me number three. All right. Number three, best-selling author Anne Rice, known oh. for gothic novels such as Interview with a Blank, died at 80. So a this, this is a good I got this one because this is a good one. So okay. I went to school in New Orleans. You so did. going by the Anne Rice house was always a thing that people pointed out. So that would be interview with the vampire, and she was a native of New Orleans. Yes. That is she, correct. She well is done. She is probably most responsible for creating the vampire craze. And the movie interview with a vampire goes down in history as one of uh, Tom Cruise's more unfortunate movie choices. Was it a bad Ooh. movie? Oh God, it's awful. It was, it was re- what? Okay, what year? First of all, because I feel like right. I was a little on the young side. To like, all right, yeah, you're ready. This, this, you're, you're, you know, we know, we know how good I am with this, but this is going to be a challenge, right, Mister Sins? Do you have it queued up? Because I'm going to make. I a do. Guess. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. All right, Interview with a Vampire is 1992. Ah, that's disappointing. Or oh, okay. all right. I was two years off. I know I would have given you one year plus or minus, but two. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. No. Sorry. I will I, say I that Tom Cruise looking like a vampire looks really dumb. <laughs> it's really. It's it, and tell me his hair is not just appalling. It, it, it's like slicked back or something. Yeah. Probably, right? It was. Yeah. It was. It was one of those times where he tried to. He did that a few times. He's done that a few, and he's pulled it off a few times. But that was not. It was just not a good movie. I'm trying to think who <laughs> the, who, who the other Brad um, Pitt. Oh, it Brad was Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, it was their 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 pairing. That's right, and it was supposed to be like this, you know, cast of Anto- stars. Antonio Banderas. Banderas. Yeah, he was at like the hot, height of his popularity then. Also, yeah, yeah, but bad movie. Interesting. Um. Yeah. All right, so Dodd wins this week. Um, um, all right. So the holidays are upon us. If I am not incorrect is, uh, is Christmas on a Saturday? Is it the 25th of Saturday? It is. Yeah, it is. All right. So we are a week away when this comes out, Mr. Graves, is this coming out? Is this dropping on the 20th, the Monday, the 20th? You got it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. All right. So we'll be five days out from the big day. Um, 
the Christmas wish list. I know you're you still you both still have pulses, so you both still want things. And you are men, boys. You you like to get presents. Uh, what what what's on the what's on the holiday wish list? What what do you want, Mister Craves? Is it? I'm going to guess something related to an instrument or That's a tool. It. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, looking uh, at instrument stuff and uh, various things. Uh, so I don't I don't know yet. And really, look, I'm all about buying things online, but really, instruments is something you got to go yeah, touch and feel. And so yeah. I've not done that yet. So that is not quite on the wish list. I did just buy myself one of the the smokeless uh, uh, fire pits. Oh, uh, the solo, oh, solo stove. stove. I bought a solo stove. Yeah. Is it that's the Boomer Esiason? Uh, he 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 trucks that on. Uh, he he does. He's he's always talking about that on on the radio. So I used it actually for the first time tonight. And like we ordered pizza, and we were going to sit outside by the fire. Uh, and then about half an hour later, it started raining. So that was oh. unfortunate. Yes, <laughs> but it I, was I, pretty amazing. I, it, it really I, was. I hear. I hear awesome. cool. it works. It was awesome. It works. Yeah, it was yeah. a plus. Maybe I need to get myself a solo studio. Yeah, how much it was, did it? Call, how would it? Would it run? Uh, crazy. Yeah, couple, yeah, something like that. A couple hundred bucks. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, it so was, I, it was like I got whatever it was I got on sale it was like a hundred dollars off. So, but it was. It so was when you when, no when you when you're talking instruments, you're not talking like a like a full on guitar, bass, or anything like that. Are you talking about equipment or? I need a. I, I want a new keyboard. I want a bigger keyboard. Yeah, so I have like a little three on an eighty six keyer. Yeah, I need I need more keys. So a lot of the stuff I do, uh, you know, I'm not good, but I just need I need a little bit more room to maneuver on the ivories. Are you doing Are you Are you doing kind of an Eddie Van Halen transition from the strings to the to the from the from the guitar and bass to the keyboard? You're going to be playing jump soon. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm gonna find a little synthesizer and rock out. Yeah. It's just, it's just not, you know, it's a new thing. It, it's challenging. You know, something you're not, you don't really know how to do all that well. So, you're kind of figuring it out. And when you accomplish something, there's, you feel satisfied, like you've done something new. And so that's kind of the approach that that I'm currently in. That's 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 very cool. It's very growth very, mindset of you. Yeah, yeah, it is very growth mindset. And and Mr. Graves is good at that. You are too, Mr. Siddons, and trying new yeah. things. All right, Mr. Siddons, what's on the wish list? I want two things. One is a season pass to white grass cross country skiing. Oh, you, so you, I can you just, a hardcore cross country skier in recent years. All, all I need to do is pull up, park anywhere I want. And I walk it, I walk and I go into the woods. And the second thing is to be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be left alone to like sit around and read or do nothing. That's oh, what I want. That is a fantastic. I'm wish. a cheap date. I don't think you're going to get number two, but I think you might get number one. Yeah, I have, it's a high probability for number one. Yeah, number one. Number one sounds likely because it's doable. Yeah. I don't. I, I think that that. I don't know if the next probably 15 years of your life you're going to get two. <laughs> no, no. But if we go to my in-laws, they'll watch Frida, and and uh, I'll be able to hang out Do and not be on call. Yeah. What's, what about on you? The, what's on the Dodd list? Uh, you know what? I've already got it. I um, getting into some new shiny reels. I yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't request any um, any fishing gear. I'm 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 kind of at a point, um, and maybe Mr. Crable can relate to this with some of his more um, high ticket uh, musical items. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to go, we're going to go way inside fly fishing, uh, boring here just for a second. Um, some Orvis gear. Well, I mean, really nice fly rods and nice fly reels are, it's kind of like golf clubs. They've gotten to the point. I mean, I could, you could, you could lay down $1,500. Um, and so, and then there's not a lot in between. So I'm just not in a place anymore where I, I, I would like to get myself a new, really nice outfit, but I, I just, you don't like just, to spend money on yourself though. No, but so my, my gift to myself was, and my wife already got it for me and I've already, I already have it was, um, I, I dropped a few LBs and she got me a very nice new Hugo Boss suit. Ooh, oh, nice. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I've fallen in love with Hugo Boss lately. What color? Um, 
Um, it's kind of a houndstooth. It's kind of a winter suit. Um, oh. Yeah, it's 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 a nice it's a nice nice getup. And just so you know, listeners out there, um, totally shocking. Macy's actually sells Boss now, um, oh. and and uh, and and Craves. I ordered this suit online. Really? You wouldn't think that you could order a suit online, and I yeah. ordered it online through through Macy's.com, and it fit. I was amazed. I had to get wow. it, uh, I had to get it altered a little bit, but yeah, um, but awesome. yeah. So yeah, so that's like good. a that's, glove. So I don't know like what I'm getting. I don't know what other than that I'm getting. I did request a couple of uh, I'd like a couple of flannel shirts. I always mm. like flannel shirts at Christmas. You can't go wrong with a good flannel. All right, so. Uh, Fellas, uh, I hope you have a wonderful uh, season with your families. You, you, you're in a magical time. You've got Frida. Uh, Crable's got the three little Hessians over there. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's, it should be Friday night for you all is, is magical, is it not? It is. I love Friday Exciting. nights. Yeah, Friday night, Christmas Eve. Oh yes! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, I mean, of, are you leaving the cookies out? And are, oh, and course, are the yeah. kids getting excited? It's yes, it's, it is. Yeah. A fun, it is a fun. I thing. mean, they've asked about when Christmas is. We put up the tree prior to Thanksgiving this year, so yeah, there's been a lot of uh, excitement in the house. Very nice, very nice. Uh, I don't even have a tree. I'm going to get one tomorrow. <laughs> so okay. we're, we're, we're a little behind Santa's on the roof though. You guys know my Santa, right? Oh yeah. You got, you got, you got a nice uh, outdoor getup. Yeah. I got I, 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 I went all out again this year. All right. As always, Ed's not dead is brought to you by pulp education, a full service educational media company specializing in leadership instruction and 21st century school reform. Check us out on Twitter at Ed's not dead PC. And of course the website, Ed's not dead.com. Uh, we would love to get more show feedback. Uh, so um, give us a, give us a rating on iTunes, right? We always want that. Right. And um, subscribe to Ed's not dead. We need it. Spread the word. And when is the uh, winter mailbag episode? Uh, first of all, when are we recording it? Oh, well, wow. that's the kicker. Yeah, Very soon. Let, okay. Let's aim, yeah. Whenever we record it, uh, let's tell listeners it'll be out um, after Christmas and before January seventh. <laughs> are, are you guys away, are you guys away between Christmas and the New Year? No, no, we're here. Yeah, we should. I, all, right, all right. Well, we don't have yeah. to work, so let's yeah. do it. Let's record right. one of those. I'm down. That'll be fun. All right. Um, we can see Mr. Crable's new synthesizer. All right. Uh, to all our listeners out there, thanks for always tuning in. Spread the word about Ed's Not Dead Boys. It's great to see you. If I don't see you in person uh, before the 25th of December, Merry Christmas. But I'll see you before the new year. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Later, fellas. Later. Later.